Welcome back to the Gospel for Life. In the studio today is Jonathan Van Coogan from Dayspring Reformed. How are you today, Jonathan? I'm doing good. I'm watching you uh, fiddle with the clock this here. This little timer and, and I have not yeah. gotten along all morning, so yeah. sorry about that. And then also, uh, we are missing Josh Bales. He's our normal um, host, um, but he is away today engaged in other work we harassed him yesterday so we won't harass him again today um, but we have alan burrow from king's congregation alan it's good to have you back it's been great. a while i know it's great to be back yeah and then first time guest here with us is Vinny from valley life community church Vinny, welcome and thanks for us it was nice to be on one episode it's always nice to be on a second episode because that means they didn't ask you to leave that's yeah right. you get to that's stay right. that's right so that's right. very humble to be back I'm Russ Herman from Cloverdale United Reform. We have been working through some questions from R.C. Sproul's books, Reason to Believe, and that's a good question. And if you are looking for a place to ask questions, and we kind of talked about this yesterday, and I just wanted to circle back just briefly and just say, it's okay to have questions. It's okay to to not have it all figured out um, in the Christian life. And so I would encourage you first and foremost, to go to those in leadership in your church. And if you do have questions about the faith, doubts that you might be experiencing, go and talk to them. Um, it, it should be a safe place for you to unburden yourself. Um, sometimes I have members apologize to me about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to just say I, there really isn't a, a need to apologize. Um, we're all on a journey of sanctification. Um, and we all have things in our lives that we're struggling with. Maybe that's sin. Maybe that is fears. Maybe that is questions or doubts. And the church is where that should be a place where we can come and, and, and be open and vulnerable. Well, particularly if you're engaged in a church, not just that simply going to a worship service on Sunday, because there's really no place in that worship service where you're going to interrupt the pastor and ask a question. But... Have that relationship where you can ask questions with members of the congregation, where you're involved in a Bible study with them, or you just simply uh, have fellowship together or have people in your home, and, and where those questions can be raised. That's an important thing. Sometimes I have people actually apologize for, mm. quote, taking my time. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wait, do you know what my title is? Right. <laughs> I mean, my, my title is pastor. Mm-hmm. And and you're a, a, a sheep under my care. Right. Of course, that's what my time is for. Yes, I, I'm supposed to be in God's Word. I'm studying God's Word. I want to be faithful to the text. Yes, that's also a large part of what I do. But and if there's elders of, in the church, that's right. they, they watch over your soul as people who must give an account yeah. uh, before God. So there's a, they have a particular interest in seeing that you're growing and maturing in uh, the Christian life. I, mean, I think of Paul or uh, Peter's command to the elders to shepherd the flock of God. There's among them willingly, not under compulsion. So that's why I always mm-hmm. tell people, I'm the most selfish person you've ever met. I only do what I want to do, which means if we're together, it's because I want to be with you and care for you and be fully present mm-hmm. with you as God has called me to. Mm-hmm. Amen. So we've been working through some questions, so if we are not answering the questions that you are, are having, please seek out those in your life that you know and trust, and, and feel free to, to, to raise some of these. Um, we're going to be looking at a couple questions that deal with authority. Um, so there oftentimes are four attributes of Scripture um, that the church broadly has said 
you know that we kind of agree on. Um, I use an acronym SCAN to help hmm. people remember sufficiency, clarity, authority, and necessity. Um, and the attribute we're looking at today is about authority. So we all hold to. So if you are wondering about these things, we have done shows on the attributes of Scripture before. My guess is you can search the archives and you can find these shows and re-listen to them. So we're not going to do all of that today. All we're concerned about is the idea of authority and specifically how authority relates to um, non-believers. So we believe the Bible is authoritative, that it has absolute control and authority in our lives, um, and that there is no authority that's higher than the Word of God. So how does that relate to a non-believer, somebody that's outside of the church? So yeah, naturally, we will say that we believe in the authority of Scripture, but does that authority extend into the life of a non-believer. There seems to be some sequence that we're going through, which is, you know, one, helping people to understand the existence of God, then the fact that if there is a God and he has this personal interest in us, that he's related to us in some way, and he's done that through an authoritative speech. And if you look, you know, if you look through scripture, I think, um, you know, somewhere there's something like 3,800 times in scripture where it says, thus says the Lord you know, or words to that effect. You know, he is communicating with an authority in the communication. We don't always get that um, uh, prelude statement, but that's patterned all through the scripture. Yeah, I think the, the authority stands because it comes from an authoritative source. And so I think the sequence is important here mm-hmm. is we can't start with the authority of the Bible. We have to start with the existence of God, the authority of who God is, and then how God has revealed himself to us, and then mm-hmm. through the word. And as you play through that sequence, you can you can get to the place where you can demonstrate the authority of the word of God over all of humanity because it's the it comes from God himself. Right, and then we, we build on that. You know, for instance, you know, you, you look at the New Testament, you recognize it as a historical document. You recognize it as a reliable historical uh, document. Um, it gives, and that reliable historical give, document gives strong evidence that Jesus is God. And as as God, He's telling you that the Bible is true. So there's a there's this, you know, you're 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 being drawn into that uh, through this pattern sequence. <coughs> Yeah, and I, depending on where uh, the person is coming from as you're talking to them, if 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 they're saying this, you know, well, I don't I don't accept the Bible as the Word of God. If, if they're kind of coming from uh, the standpoint of our modern uh, skeptical culture, or perhaps I should say postmodern, I always like to quote one of the four major. Postmodernists. Three of them were French. This was the only one who was non-French. The American Richard Rorty. He was a professor at Princeton, then at University of Virginia, and finally at Stanford. And he was ultimate. You know, he said basically there is no truth. There is no knowable, objective, knowable truth. And he said um, that the whole concept of objective truth is left over from the idea that the world was created by a God 
who spoke his own language and described his own project in his own language and communicated it to us. Well, that's an excellent description of what the Bible is. And he, here it is, we've gone to the end of the road of the whole modern Western experiment in self-sufficiency and autonomy, and one of the leading prophets of postmodernism says there is no objective truth if God has not spoken. And, you know, for the people, what I would tell them, it's like it's like arguing over a pizza about whether it really exists or whether it's really food. I mean, why don't you pick it up and stick it in your mouth? Why don't you take a bite? Why don't you spend some time in the, in the Word? And if they're real skeptical, well, read Ecclesiastes. I mean, here's, here's the man who, due to God's special providence, had the wealth, the time, the brilliance to follow every single autonomous path, every single dream and, and, and self-pleasuring uh, uh, dream that can, you know, most people can't follow those that far. He was able to follow every single one of them to the very end of the road. And, and, and he ends up with, and this is the, and the summary of this is to fear God and keep his commandments. Right. He ends up looking into the abyss every single time. And so the Bible speaks to all of that. So pick it up. Take a bite. This might be just kind of an out there road I'm going to walk down for a little while, but I, I hope it actually makes sense. But I spent some time working through the minor prophets this last year. We had a Bible study that we worked through all of them and spent some time also just touching base with some of the, the, the major prophets. And it was fascinating to me that these prophets who are writing the Word of God oftentimes were addressing foreign nations that will never read the words. But they, they are addressing the unbelieving world, and these spiritual truths are being written for people that more than likely never picked up the Bible. But God was still authoritatively saying something about these heathen nations. And that were so, true about them. That were true about them. And, and right. God was making these definitive, authoritative statements because he still was in command of these pagan nations, even though they did not acknowledge him, even though they did not know of him, even though they, they defied him. However you want to categorize yeah, he it. He had created the boundaries in which they moved. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and he uh, still spoke authoritatively into that moment. Mm -hmm. And so I would look at it and say, if that's true in the Old Testament, nothing has really changed that God is still speaking authoritatively whether the unbelieving world is listening or not. Well, part, of that, part of the recognition of that authority is recognizing that the Bible is a unified uh, document. You, know, you, have, you, have, you have something written over uh, uh, you know, how many thousands of years, plus you know, it's written in three different languages, Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic, written on three continents, um, all these things, and yet it's tied together in a unified whole, it's it's not contradictory. Um, so all these things actually add to our understanding of the authority of the Word of God. And it's the one thing that really explains life the way it is. You know, somebody can say like there there can be uh, an auto manual about the running and the care of your car, 
And somebody could say, well, I don't accept that as authoritative. And it's like, well, good luck with your car. Um, try that for a while. We'll see how well it works. It, you know, it explains everything, and the Bible has the same kind of explanatory power for all of life, whatever you're going mm-hmm. through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think about showing the we're, we're not making the Bible relevant. We're showing the relevancy of the Bible to life as, as we are able to connect it practically to people's experiences. And I, and I think as a whole, we as Christians don't need to feel this need to apologize. Of, of quoting the Bible as authoritative when we're dealing with people that that don't claim to believe in the Bible. I mean, we're not quoting the Bible as an authority because they have given us permission. We're quoting the Bible as authoritative because it is. Yep. No crime in calling the sky blue. Yeah. <laughs> no. And I think somehow we've gotten to this mindset of people saying, well, don't quote the Bible because, well, they don't accept it. Well, yeah, it just keeps... Just yeah. keep so going. Keep speaking. Yep, absolutely. Because I, I, at the end of the day, mm-hmm. we keep quoting the Bible because the Bible has an authority. And in the end, uh, you know, their reception of it or not, you know, we we recognize that spiritual things must be spiritually discerned. The Holy Spirit actually has to be working in their life in order for them to understand and accept this the the truth of what is being said. And the bottom line is God has promised in his word that his word will not return to him void, that it will accomplish the purpose for which it was sent forward. And that's the authority of his word. And that is the authority of the word. And I'm going to trust that more than I'm going to entrust my own wisdom. Not one word of God will fall to the ground. Well, you have been listening to the Gospel for Life. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.